Hello and welcome to The Green Hornet from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. The Green Hornet. He hunts the biggest of all game, public enemies who try to destroy our America. faithful valet Cato, Britt Reeve, daring young publisher, matches wits with the underworld, risking his life that criminals and racketeers within the law may feel its weight by the sting of the Green Hornet. Ride with Britt Reeve in the thrilling adventure, The Torn Map. The Green Hornet strikes again. Jack Rhodes paused at the big gate of the federal prison and took a deep breath of the free air that was to be his. Then, with a smile, he held out his hand to the guard. Well, so long, Bill. I guess I wouldn't be telling the truth if I said I hope to see you again. Well, <laughs> goodbye, Rhodes. If you want my advice, prison's no place for a nice guy like you. You watch your step and play it straight from now on. Yeah, thanks. I'll remember your advice. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Your cellmate, Joe Luck, told me what you look like and when you'll be getting out. Oh. Well, then you must be McCall. Yeah, that's me. Mac for short. <laughs> when I saw Joe just before I went to the hot seat, I promised to meet you when your time was up, so here I am. I've heard Joe speak of you. Sure, we were friends before I went to the pen. Jay, uh, get in. I'll take you back to town. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> Just what talking did Joe do about me, kid? Oh, he, uh, he just mentioned that you were friends, that's all? Uh, look, we don't have to be cagey with each other. 
you and me were good friends before he got picked up for pulling that federal payroll job. Hey, good guy, Joe. He took the rap along. Went to the chair without telling where he hit the dough or who was with him when the job was pulled and that guard killed. I, uh, I know. I, uh, suppose Joe told you he gave me half a map showing where he hid the dough. Yeah. Yeah, he told me that. Well... Well, what? Now, listen, kid. I happen to know Joe told you where you can find the other half of that map. That's right. He did. He also told me you were sort of hard to get next to. But it stands to reason both of us must have been his best friends or he wouldn't have wanted us to have that dough. We, uh, gotta trust each other, see? <sighs> yeah. I guess you're right, Mac. Well, the fact that I've just been freed is the reason I'm, well, not talking very much. Joe told me to trust you. Yeah, I get it, kid. Being in stir for a year like you have makes a guy careful, I guess. I've been through it myself, you know. Yeah, Joe told me you had. Hell, you have any plans? Yeah, I have plans. But uh, first, I'll drive you to my place. You can stay there for a while. After we get that dough, you can do what you like. Okay. I'll go to your place, then we can talk over a plan to get the money. We'll have to be careful, though. The federal men are smart, you know. Yeah. But the thing for us to do is to be just a little smarter. And once we get our mitts and all that dough, we can go where they won't think of looking. <laughs> Kid, it was a lucky day for you when they put you in the cell with Joe Locke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, kid, this is it. Come on in. Okay, thanks. Hi, Mac. Is this Rose? Yeah, this is him. Al, meet Jack Rose. Hello, Al. Hi. So you were Joe Locke's cellmate, huh? That's right. Mac was telling me about you. Him and me work together sometimes. Oh, I see. Yeah, if you don't mind, Mac, I'd like to rest a bit. Is there any place I can... Sure, sure, kid. Right through that door there. Go flop in the bed a while. We can do our gathering later, huh? Yeah, thanks. About an hour's sleep is all I need. Yeah. Strange acting young guy, ain't he, Mac? Yeah. But Joe said he's okay after you get to know him. Plenty smart, too. Got an education, all that sort of stuff. Uh, maybe if he's that smart, we'll have to be careful. If he finds out you and me were with Joe Locke on that federal job, he might get ideas. And getting caught would mean the hot seat for both of us. Just keep your mouth shut, and there's no way for him to find that out. He thinks Joe was just a good friend of mine before he went to stir. Hey, look. What about the hidden dough? Why should he get in on it? We'll split it three ways. He'll have to agree to that. We got to cut him in because he was the only guy Joe would trust with the other half of the map. If it wasn't for that kid, Joe would have gone to the chair without letting us find that door at all. He didn't like taking the rap alone. I had a good job lined up for tonight. But now that the kid's here and we can get all that dough, I guess we can let it ride. I... Wait a minute. Huh? thought I heard something. Don't move, kid. I got you covered with this ride. I, uh, I was just coming out. On your hands and knees? Don't make me laugh. Bring him in here, Al. Come on, get in here. 
He was listening just the other side of that door. He must have heard every word we said. All right. I was listening. So what? So you know something about us you shouldn't know, Roger. That ain't good. No. You mean about both of you haven't been with Joe on that federal job? I'm not dumb. I suspected you weren't being cut in on the hidden money out of mere friendship. <laughs> See, I told you he was smart. Too How smart, too smart. Now he knows too much. The best thing we can do... You is... won't do anything. Don't forget. Without my half of that map, you and Mac won't find that money. And if you could, you'd have taken it long ago. He's right, huh? Put down the run. Okay. But let me tell you something, kid. Without our half of that map, you can't find the stuff either. That's true. So we have to trust one another if we want the money. Now, hold on, Jack. Right now, I don't trust you because he cuts a snooping at the door. If you're on the level and really want to work along with us, how about putting in with us on a little job tonight? Uh, well, I... Uh, See, I, he's hedging already. I'll play along. What's the little job? Something I'll cook to Tell him about it, Al. Sure. I got a friend in a certain factory here. He tipped me off that a car from the paymaster's office is running to their branch factory north of the city tonight. Leaving at 9 o'clock and following the boulevard out. It'll carry 30000 We can grab it easy. If you help us do it, it'll prove you're on the level. Yeah, but I'm hot out of the pin. If I should be recognized, yeah, I'll be on that's my... That's right. Hey, look, I got an idea. Yeah, what's cooking? Jack's tall and dark. We'll stick a mask on his face. Fixed up like the one the Green Hornet wears. <laughs> then we won't have to risk bumping off the driver of the car. He'll report the Hornet is the guy that did it, huh? Good. The Hornet was the mug who messed up things for Joe Locke anyway. This will be getting even. Okay, kid, are you willing to go along? Well, okay, I'll do it. I guess that's the only way we'll ever get together on getting the hidden money. Fine. If you play along with us on this, we'll know we can trust you. Then we'll get both halves of the map and find the money Joe hid. <laughs> Kid, we'll have enough to retire for life. It was a little after 9 p.m. when a small coupe headed north from the boulevard. A short distance behind was a black sedan carrying young Jack Rhodes and his two newfound friends, Al and Mac. Are you sure that's the car that come out of the factory gate, Mac? Yeah, that's it. I better start closing up the roads clear traffic now. <laughs> well, kid, you look just like the Green Hornet himself in that phony mask on. Really? Have uh, you ever seen the real Green Hornet? Yeah, once. A long time ago. Three years about. He busted in on us and broke up our racket. I did a stretch and stir because of him. After I got out, I met up with Mac and Joe. I was only in eight months that time. Get rid of you guys. I'm going to crowd him over and make him stop. Pull over his stuff. Pull over there. Hey, listen here. I don't know why you stopped me. Shut up, bro. You just run on you. Can't you see who we're working with? Go on, kid. Do your stuff. Give us the payroll you're carrying and you can drive on. What? The Green Hornet. You catch on quick, mister. I'll open the door. I don't know how you found out I had that money, but... Look out, he's reaching for a gun. I'll plug him in. Hurry, Joe, now. Hey, he's getting away. I'll get him. Listen, you, what's the idea of messing up this job? You had to hit my arm. I don't want in on a killing for one thing. And for another, Max said he wanted to witness this where the Hornet did the job. 
You would have plugged him for sure. Yeah, I ought to plug you, that's what. There was 30 grand in that car. Oh, forget it, Al. When we get the dough luck, kid, we'll have more we can use. The kid was right. We didn't want a killing on this job. <laughs> Tomorrow night, we'll go after the hidden stuff. Come on, let's get back to the car. <laughs> The following morning, Mike Axford, reporter on the Daily Sentinel, entered Britt Reed's outer office where Lenore Case, Reed's secretary, was busy going over the mail. Hi, Kathy! Reading yet? Yes, he is. But he's busy writing an editorial, and I know he doesn't want to be bothered with you. Huh, says you. I'll find out for myself, that's what. Hey, you wait a minute. You can't go walking in on Mr. Reed like that. Who says I can't? Whatever it is, I say you can't. Oh, oh, oh. Good morning, Reed. Well, make up your mind. Come in or go out. Don't stand there like a doorman. Oh, sure. Well, what's on your mind, Axford? I'm busy right now. I, I just came in to tell... Uh, I mean, to see what you thought of that hold-up last night. Hold-up? I haven't had time to read the paper this morning. What hold-up? By the one by the Green Hornet. By the Green Hornet, you say? Sure. Who's writing your own paper? All about it. He and two pals held up the paymaster of the citywide factory last night while he was on the way to the branch office with the payroll. How much did they get? That's just it, Reed. For once, the harness didn't get away with it. He didn't get anything. Well, how come? What happened? Well, according to the paymaster, I went out there this morning, mind you, to interview him. According to the paymaster, one of the crooks pulled a gun to shoot him. The paymaster, that is. When the harness turned and knocked his arm down. Really? Yeah. And while he was doing that, the paymaster started the car and got away. They didn't get a cent of the payroll. Well, that's fortunate. You know... Sard says it looks to him as though that harlot almost wanted the paymaster to get away. Funny, ain't it? Yes, it's very strange. Mm. I found out, too, that no one was supposed to know about the payroll being sent out last night. Except, that is, the paymaster, his assistant, and the branch manager. I see. Uh, that harlot sure has ways of finding out things. Yes, hasn't he? But it's sure a wonder to me that he let the guy get away with that payroll. Uh, the harnet must be slipping to my way of thinking. Well, maybe he is at that. Yet, um, he might have had a reason for letting him get away. Something tells me there might be something bigger than the police think behind the whole thing, Axford. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Green Hornet himself comes up with the answer. We'll continue our Green Hornet adventure in just a moment.
When Mike Axford went to Nick Haskell's office to have a showdown over the disappearance of Pat Clancy, he walked into a frame-up. A short time later, Britt received a phone call in his office. Hello? Mr. Reed? Yes, this is Britt Reed. This is Sergeant Burke at headquarters. Phoning for Mike Axford. Oh, it's you, Sergeant Burke. Well, I'm sorry, but Axford isn't here right now. I know that, Mr. Reed. Being as he's here over to headquarters. We just brought him in as the suspected killer of Nick Haskell. What? That's right, Mr. Reed. Axford asked me to call. He wants a lawyer and he wants to see you. Thanks, Sergeant. I'll call my lawyers right away. Tell Axford I'll be right down. Okay, Mr. Reed. Goodbye. Goodbye. Great Scott, Axford certainly got himself into a mess this time. I'd better call a lawyer and then get to him right away. Within 15 minutes, Britt Reed arrived at police headquarters and was allowed to talk to Axford for a few minutes in private. Reed, it's all a mistake. That's what it is. In I go, raring to tear into Haskell. But he says, who are you? What do you want? Says he. When I tell him, he says he told Tony and somebody called Joe to make me leave. Then he says, there's something funny about this. And he starts to get up from his chair when he was shot by somebody outside the window. The window was open then? Yeah. Well... Haskell fell over, and then I heard a thud. And there, right behind me, was a gun, the one that he was shot with. So, not thinking, I stoop and pick it up, just as the guy Tony comes running in. Then Haskell's partner came in and accused me. He grabbed the gun out of my hand and phoned the cops. He gave them the gun, which has my fingerprints on it, of course. I suppose the partner's prints were found on it, too, since he grabbed the weapon out of your hand. Oh, sure. Sarge says Joel Libby's. That's the guy's name. Sarge says his prints are on it, too. But there were lots of people crowding into the doorway who saw him take it from me. I see. Then Tony didn't attempt to get the gun from you. No. But then he was there only a couple of seconds before Libby came running in. What do you think, Reed? Do you think they'll make a case against me? So far, Axford, they've already made a case against you. But don't worry. When lawyers will be here soon, they'll arrange bail. Then they'll do what they can to prove you didn't kill Haskell. I have to go now. I'll see you later tonight. Leaving police headquarters, Britt Reed bought the latest editions of the city newspapers. Then, since dusk had already fallen, he went to his apartment where Cato, his faithful Filipino valet, was waiting. I already hear news on radio, Mr. Britt. It's not good. Mr. Axford, he not killer. We know that, Cato. But the circumstantial evidence would look bad before a jury. Well, if there's some way to find real killer... Cato, the story in the papers gave the names and addresses of those who were witnesses of the scene immediately following the killing. Now, two of those addresses interest me. Well, perhaps the Green Hornet go out in Black Beauty tonight? Yes. And we'll take along our automatic wire recorder. The first place we'll visit will be the apartment of an Italian named Tony Marietta at 22 First Street. Let's get going. That's number 22 across the street. Rather dingy-looking place. What do we do now, Mr. Britt? Leave the black beauty here in the shadows. 
While I go in to see Tony, I want you to take the automatic recorder into the basement. We'll be able to check the location of his apartment from the number in the dim hallway there. Then you place a microphone so that it'll pick up any conversation in Tony's apartment. Oh, yes. There's no one around. Come on. Bring the recorder. I coming. Keeping to the shadows, the two sinister figures approached the entrance of the run-down, dingy building, which housed only four small apartments. Cato stepped into the doorway, and from the mailbox just inside, he found that Tony Marietta lived in 101, to the left on the first floor. After telling Britt, Cato went around to the rear to reach the basement. Then Britt Reed, after a hasty glance about him, moved inside to the door of 101. Who's there? How do you? The, the Green Hornet. Get back inside. No, no, you... You not come in. Let me by. You coming to kill Tony? Well, this gun might go off if you make any false moves. I came here to give you a warning. But first, I want some information. I know nothing. I know nothing. What happened to Pat Clancy? Honest to Mr. Hornet. I don't know. Joe, he say kill. Nick, he say no kill. Clancy had a paper someplace. He not tell a nigga where. Then Joe, he take a Clancy someplace for to make him talk. But he not talk yet. Then Joe Libby knows where he is. Is that it? Sure. That's all right. You ask a Joe. I'll give you that warning, Tony. Suppose I told you Joe is planning to rub you out because you know too much about the murder of Nick Haskell. Who tell you that? Never mind who told me. Just remember that I warned you. So you'd better pack your things and clear out while you have the chance. But the, why Joe want the photo to kill Tony? I just told you. You know too much. Don't forget, you were warned. So if Joe Libby kills you at your own funeral, so long. That you, Mr. Britt? Yes, Cato. Did you get the recorder rigged up? Oh, yes, sir. I wait till you're ready to leave. Then I throw a switch and run to car. Good. Now get started. We'll stop in the vicinity of the nightclub. Libby's apartment is above it. Let's go. Joe Libby was at the desk in the living room of the apartment he had shared with Nick Haskell. He was looking over Haskell's papers... And suddenly he looked up as he heard a sound at the window leading to the fire escape. What the? Don't move, Libby. I've got you covered. You're the Green Hornet. Why do you come here? To get some information and to give some. I'm not giving out information. For you or anybody else, see? No. Maybe you'll be giving out plenty to the cops before the night's over. Just what do you mean by that, Crack? Suppose Tony Marietta squealed to the cops, telling him what he really knows, Libby. If they start grilling you, you'll give out with plenty of information. But Tony Marietta ain't gonna squeal, Hornet. Sure of yourself, aren't you? How do you know he won't? Well, I just... I happen to know that right now Tony's packing his bag, getting ready to blow out of town after he squeals to the police about you and your connection with Nick Haskell's murder. How is that so? If you want to know something, Hornet, Tony ain't going anyplace. You just wait and see. Have it your own way. But don't say I didn't tell you, Libby. Be seeing you again sometime. I'll take a shot at that. No. I'll save my bullets. <laughs> yeah. 
That's it. I'll save him for Tony Marietta. In his one-room apartment a few blocks from the nightclub, Tony had just finished packing his suitcase. As he bent over to close it, he was startled by a voice behind him. Going someplace, Tony? Joe, how do you get in here? (laughs) Easy, Tony. Somebody fixed the latch on your door so it wasn't locked. I tried it real easy, like, and it opened. So here I am. That's no good. It's to make a Tony jump. Why you come here, Joe? I heard you might be leaving town. Or at least the neighborhood, Tony, so I dropped over. <laughs> the information I got was a straight goods, too. But you ain't going anyplace, Tony. So you come to shoot Tony, eh? Why not? You think I'd stand by and let you squeal to the cops? But I'd not tell that you kill a Nick. I don't say nothing. Listen to me, Tony. You were in on that deal to bump off Nick and frame that fat reporter, see? And if the cops grab me, they'll grab you, too. And if I get Clancy to talk tonight and tell where he hid that evidence, I'll have more to show the cops about you. But it was you that the frame of Clancy, Joe. Oh, yeah? You put the frame up down his apartment, didn't you? I do what Nick could tell me. You put down the gun. No. We're going to settle this right now. <laughs> and Pop, if I get you out of the way, I won't have to split my tapes with you. I'm not going to let you shoot me. <laughs> now you are asking for it. So are you, Levy. This will settle you. No. Oh, you're saving my life, Mr. Hornet. This I don't know. will save your breath, no, Tony. No, no, I... I can't breathe. Oh. I bring Wolf from Wary Quarter. It catch all they talk about. Good. We'll leave it here with them. Also, I'll leave a note telling them that Libby knows where Pat Clancy is. For conversation on rule of wire, clear Axford, also clear Pat Clancy. Yes, it should, from what I overheard while standing outside the door. Call the police and have them come here to pick up these killers. Then we'll get out, fast. It was almost midnight when Brick Reed entered police headquarters after receiving a phone call at his apartment from Sergeant Burke. I called you as soon as we brought those killers in, Mr. Reed. That is, after we had proof they are the killers. Then you do have proof? That they do, Reed. I'm free to go, so they tell me. Oh, thank heaven for that. But what proof have you? Proof enough. Libby and Marietta accusing each other in their own voices. It's on a wire recording that we found stuck in Libby's hand when we got to Tony Marietta's place. You see, Reed, as I get it, the Green Hornet double-crossed the two of them and left that recorded wire for proof. <laughs> lucky for you, Mike. And lucky for Pat Clancy, too. We found him safe and sound. You did? Yeah. Libby was hiding him in the basement of the nightclub. He was hoping to get Clancy to tell where he hid the written evidence he had against Nick and Libby. We forced Libby to tell us where Pat was. <laughs> Man alive, was his old lady happy. Sure, and I'm glad for her sake that Pat's safe. Sure, and what's more, he's coming back on the force now that he's been cleared. He was framed, and so was Axford. The next time, Axford won't be so hot-headed and go rushing into spots like that. Well, now, Reed, after all, me visit to Haskell's did result in our finding Pat, didn't it? Of course, it caused me a bit of inconvenience in a way. Inconvenience? (laughs) Listen to him, will you? If it hadn't been for the hornet getting sore and buttoned in... Mike would have been sitting before a jury on a murder charge, most likely. Oh, I knew all the time I'd get off somehow. I wasn't a bit worried, Sarge. Harnet or no Harnet, you wouldn't have let me down, would you, Mr. Reed? <laughs> no, but something tells me, Axford. 
You'll never learn. copyrighted dramas originate in the studios of WXYZ Detroit, and all characters, names, places, and incidents used are fictitious. This has been a RadioClassics.com presentation. Programs are copyright their respective owners. All rights reserved.